0: friend Drew. I'll Allen. I'll tell you what—he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time? Appreciate and his opinion. Conservative. Drew Allen. Drew Allen. Conservative. I into this guy for wisdom.
1: Well, well, we can stop calling this the Biden administration. Forget, forget the talk about the Obama administration, and so on and so forth. This is the George Soros administration. It's the Soros administration, and we are involved in Soros's war in Ukraine. That's what's going on here. Soros is behind it all. His son has been meeting with the White House 14 times. We've learned that's what's in the visitor logs, not to mention that which we do not know. And so this is what's going on. We are fighting a proxy war on behalf of George Soros. George Soros runs our State Department. George Soros runs our government. That's what's going on, and that's why the left... They want to push back. They don't want us talking about Soros and his association. He's propping up all these DAs because I want to explain something to to you about George Soros. This is very hard for any of us to really understand because we don't have $40 billion or whatever it is that George Soros is worth. But, you know, a lot of us out there, you know, we strive to buy properties, uh, rental homes, things like that to make money. George Soros doesn't just buy yachts. He doesn't buy homes. He doesn't buy extra vacation homes. George Soros buys countries. That's what George Soros does. And he's been doing it for decades and decades. And he this cozy relationship with the U.S., this infiltration of our State Department, began in the mid-90s, 1995 thereabouts, with the Clintons. That's where he made inroads. And Soros hasn't gone away since... And you'll see of these 14 or so visits to the Biden White House thus far, well, most of them have been with the National Security Department. So he's there telling the Biden administration what to do with regard to Ukraine, because Ukraine is George Soros's playground. George Soros has been buying politicians in Ukraine since a year before the Soviet Union collapsed. And George Soros wants to make money. George Soros is an evil person who pretended to be a Christian in Hungary as the Nazis went around rounding up Jews, taking their property. George Soros went around and pointed them out and helped the Nazis do what they did to the Jews. That's the monster this guy is, and he's not ashamed of it. He's not ashamed of it. This is a sociopath. Like many Democrats out there, he has no soul. No soul. I'll get into it in a minute. Now, before I get into George Soros and the fact that George Soros is running the U.S. State Department and George Soros is running the Biden administration and George Soros is making the calls with regards to our involvement in Ukraine. Well, guess what? We had another mass shooting. We had another mass shooting this time at a bank in Louisville, Kentucky. And there is a trend. I don't know if you've noticed this, Captain, but as I look at these mass shootings and I learn about the killers... Well, there's something they seem to have in common. Do you know what that is? They're Democrats. That's right. I said it. They are Democrats. This individual, I won't say his name. Screw it. I'm tired of giving these people the, the, the publicity they, they crave. This guy's rotting in hell, killed a bunch of innocent people at a bank, and uh, he was 25 years old. He live-streamed this this shooting, apparently, on Instagram, and he used pronouns in his LinkedIn bio. Pronouns. Now, who uses pronouns? MAGA doesn't use pronouns. That is exclusive to mentally ill Democrats with their insane, insidious, insipid gender ideology, which suggests that you can change your gender, change your sex. Sex, you can't change. Gender, you can. He, him, she, her, whatever. They, them. Nut jobs, all of them. So, yeah, this happened. I mean, I've got the story here in front of me. I'm sure you heard about it. I mean, you know, the left, of course, they're excited again. I'm telling you, every time this happens, and and let, 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 let me be clear. The Democratic Party is responsible for creating, manufacturing a new generation of murderers. They're responsible for it. So all this talk every time about we got to go after the guns. No, we don't. We need to go after the Democratic Party and their ideology. They're the ones that are putting poison in people's minds. They're the ones that are making people miserable. They're the ones who preach to us that life is not valuable. They're the ones who encourage violence against their political opponents. They're the ones who say that babies are little clumps of cells that encourage infanticide. They're the death Party, the death cult, the Democratic Party. And this is the consequence. When you preach hatred every day, when you tell people that there's no hope for them, when you attack Christianity, attack Judeo-Christian values, and you try and supplant that hole in somebody's heart with the Democratic Party or transgenderism and tell them that that's going to fill their hearts and souls, that that's going to make them happy, well, this is what you get. People who go off the deep end, pick up a gun, and start killing people. Everyone's a victim. And this guy, you'll learn, I mean, apparently he was a disgruntled employee. So, you know, whatever. He's 25 years old, another Zoomer. And we have a serious problem in this country. It's bad enough that you've got a bunch of boomers who have lost their minds that support this Democratic Party. It's bad enough that my generation, the quote unquote millennials, that they're in the tank for these losers and lunatics. But the real problem is the Zoomers, the people behind me. That's the real worry. These are the people that report, basically a majority of them, that say they have mental health issues, that suffer from depression. Where is that coming from? It's not in the water. Our chromosomes aren't changing all of a sudden. That's not what's responsible for it. It's what they're getting in school. It's what they're getting on TV. It's what they're getting on social media. We have a mental illness problem in America and it's the result of the Democratic Party. That's the reality. So here we go again. I mean, he used apparently an AR15 style assault rifle, so they're going to go after the guns. They're going to go after the guns again, and I'm so sick and tired of it. I hear these Democrats too, by the way, the gun grabbers. They'll say things and they'll give up the game and they 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 Well, they'll say things like, you know, well this wasn't happening when I was young. Well, no, no crap. The gun thing didn't change. We've had guns in this country since our founding. We have a Second Amendment right after all. My dad's generation used to pull up to school with a gun rack and a rifle or a shotgun in the back of the truck. They weren't pulling it down and opening fire on their their schoolmates. So if all things are equal, if nothing's changed in terms of guns because the Second Amendment didn't go away, it didn't change. So if we've always had guns in this country, but suddenly mass shootings are going up, if suddenly violence is skyrocketing, well, it can't be the guns, then can it? It has to be something else because the guns are consistent. But what's inconsistent is the ideology of the corrupt Democratic Party. What's inconsistent is, well, the the, the national transformation in this country away from religion. I didn't even intend to go here, Captain, but this was interesting to me. I was I'm working on rewriting my book here. And you can draw a a parallel between the decline of America and the moral dissolvement, I guess, if you will, of our our country and our culture and the decline of religion in America. That's the reality. I mean, whether you want to believe it or not, the fact is this is a predominantly Christian nation. It always has been. And, you know, I'll include uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters out there, Judeo-Christian values, they, they, they're they the same thing in many ways. Ten Commandments is what it's all kind of built on and based around for the beginning. But you've seen a heavy decline in worship in this country and people who belong to churches. It, it, for, for, for about six decades, from I think the late 30s to the Early 21st century, you had a steady number of something like 70% of Americans who went to church or would say that they were religious and so on and so forth. And around 2000, guess what happened? It started to plummet. And it was a couple of years ago, I think 2019 it was first reported that for the first time in recorded US history, the number of people reporting that they attended church had dropped below 50%. And the big lie out there is that, or the big irony, I guess you will, if you want to call it that, is the, the, the very people who claim to hate religion, that reject it, that spurn religion, that have a problem with Christianity and so on and so forth and don't want to belong to anything, well, they do belong to something. Their religion is the Democratic Party and that cult. They worship transgenderism. They worship the LGBTQ plus agenda. They worship Antifa or BLM. Those are the causes. And that's the problem. And that's that's what's happening in America right now. As we turn away from God, whether you're Christian or not, as we turn away from God and morality, well, you get the destruction of American society, the civil society. It goes away. The reality is you cannot have America. And you cannot have our success. And you cannot have the West without Christianity. Without Christianity, you do not have the West. Without Christianity, you do not have America. And you do not have the greatest nation in the history of mankind. You just don't have it. And that's why communism and the various isms out there, which are evil, that are responsible for the murder, the genocide of tens of millions of citizens, well, they all outlaw religion. They all replace religion with the worship of the state. And that's what the Democratic Party represents in America. And so people are not going to be happy when they turn away from God or religion and so on and so forth and try to find inner peace and happiness in the Democratic Party, which solely exists to foment Marxist revolution. The Democratic Party exists to rile people up, to keep people miserable and unhappy. And so when people cling to the Democratic Party, when they cling to this gender ideology and CRT and so on and so forth and use pronouns... Well, it creates inner turmoil. They're not at peace. They're not happy. And they believe they're victims. And because they believe they're victims and they go into isolation, COVID exacerbated all that with with the lockdowns, of course. But when they turn that direction, their minds go to a dark place and there is no hope. And when you feel like you don't have hope, you act out in a desperate way. When you don't have hope, you get things like this shooter at a bank who feels in some way victimized because he, he's no longer employed there or whatever else. So in his mind, he's, he decides to pick up a gun and go and shoot up the bank. Mental illness. Okay. George Soros. George Soros, as I said, lives his life to create societies to intervene in them to control them that is his life's purpose and ukraine is not the first place he's done this he's done it in many places before he did it in macedonia he got involved there and his goal every time is to make a lot of money and i don't know if you know this but there's a lot of money to made to be made in war torn nations nation building You go in and invest and put money down, and you also get governments to come in and put money in as well, and you buy in low, and you ride it up, baby. And that's what George Soros is doing with Ukraine. So we're not in Ukraine out of the interest of the United States of America. I I, I have to tell you right now, and a lot of people are going to disagree with me. I've talked about this. A lot of people have the, 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 the heartstrings pulled. They think, oh, yes, we have to. It is our moral responsibility and duty because Russia is so bad to get involved with Ukraine and protect them. You've been swindled because we created, via George Soros' policies, this exact circumstance and situation that's happening right now. And we're just pouring billions and billions and billions of dollars into Ukraine and we don't know where it's gone. It's not accounted for. And you've got the puppet master, George Soros, Telling our State Department and telling our administration what moves to make. This isn't about our interest. It's not about Russia. It's not even about Ukraine. This is about George Soros and corruption and what they want. And they want to control Ukraine. And if it takes a war, if it, if it requires Putin to invade, well, that creates the circumstances by which they hope they can swindle everybody and get their way. Cue up cut one, Captain. I want to start with this. So, George Soros was interviewed a while back. This is on a Fareed Zakaria on CNN, I guess. This is back in 2015 or so when the Maiden Revolution happened, right, under the Obama administration. The U.S. government and Soros on the ground actually fomented an insurrection in Ukraine. They actually sponsored, supported, with money and weapons the overturning and overthrowing of the administration that was in power, the president of Ukraine at the time. That's right. Let me say that again. The United States government intervened in Ukraine to overthrow a duly elected president of the country. He hadn't done anything wrong. His only crime was not doing what Soros wanted. And what Soros wants, which is the same thing that the U.S. government wants because Soros is controlling our State Department. Well, what they want is to consume and control Ukraine themselves. And the problem, of course, is that Russia also wants control of Ukraine. And so we are no better than Russia in this regard. Our our intentions have never been noble in Ukraine. You know, they use this facade of protecting democracy Democracy's not ever been the goal Ukraine is not a democracy we have intervened and changed the nation of Ukraine as we've seen fit that's not democracy the Ukrainian people have had no say in what they want all it has been it's been a punching bag a, 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 a piece of play dough that we have massaged And changed whether it it, it went with the will of the people of Ukraine or against it. But do not kid ourselves for a second. Soros has had his hand in this the whole time. And we are largely to blame, not you and me, but our government, which is corrupt, for what's happening now. So, cue up, cut one. I want you to hear Soros. Now, he's got many, many different groups, right? He has this open society, foundations. He's put them in every country where he wants to con- take control of the government and tell them what to do. Well, he's he's got one in Ukraine as well. It's called... What's this one called? He's got several. The one that we're going to get to in a minute is called the ANTAC. It's called the Anti-Corruption Action Center. He's a good leftist Marxist. So, of course, he calls it Anti-Corruption Action Center when, of course, really, he is a corruption... But play cut one, Captain. I want you to hear Soros admit, admit that he was involved in the insurrection back in 2015 or so. One of the things that many people recognized about you was that you, during the revolutions of 1989, funded a lot of dissident activity, civil society groups in Eastern Europe and Poland, the Czech Republic. Are you doing similar things in Ukraine? Well, I set up a
0: foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of uh, Russia. Um, And the foundation has been uh, functioning ever since. And it played an important part in events now.
1: Playing an important part in events now. He is meddling. He is meddling. Meddling. Soros runs Ukraine, and he uses people like the Clintons, people like Victoria Nuland, people like the Obamas, people like the Biden administration now. He uses all of them to fulfill his own selfish ambitions in Ukraine. Now, there was a leak some time ago, and it, 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 it illustrates just how sick all of this involvement is, it it shows conclusively that Soros is the puppet master behind all of the happenings in Ukraine, especially as they relate to our own involvement there. In In a memo dated March 15th, 2015 and marked confidential, Soros outlines a detailed map of actions for the Ukraine regime titled, a short and medium term comprehensive strategy for the new ukraine now why in the world is a billionaire from hungary why is this individual telling a government what their short and medium term strategy should should be and he calls it the new ukraine george soros doesn't care about the history of ukraine he doesn't care about the relationship between russia and ukraine he doesn't care about what the people actually want in ukraine All that Soros cares about is the creation of the new Ukraine in which he controls those in charge of the government. He controls the Gazprom, for example, the natural gas there. Make no mistake about it. You're going to hear a clip in a second where George Soros admits his only concern in doing these types of things is to make money. To make money. In, in his March 2015 memo, Soros further writes that Ukrainian President Poroshenko's first priority must be to regain control of financial markets. Politicians are being elected. Presidents are being elected in these countries. And yet, did anybody vote to elect George Soros, president of Ukraine? Did anyone vote to elect George Soros, the president of the United States of America? I'm sorry. I'm a little bit confused here. Soros calls on the EU to give Ukraine an annual aid sum of $11 billion via a special EU borrowing facility. He's got all these plans, doesn't he? Now, now, here's something else I want to point out. George Soros, back in 2015, now, it's so important to remember, this is not this most recent invasion of Ukraine. It's the most recent, but you can't remember the one that took place when he actually annexed Crimea, Putin that is, under the Obama administration. Now Soros back in March of 2015 said he was ready to invest $1 billion in Ukraine if the West helps. This is from Reuters. George Soros is ready to invest a $1 billion in Ukraine if Western countries help private investment there. Soros has previously urged the West to step up, aid to Ukraine, outlining steps toward a $50 billion financing package that he said should be viewed as a bulwark against an increasingly aggressive Russia. Who made George Soros king of the world? I stand ready, Soros says. There are concrete investment ideas, for example, in agriculture and infrastructure projects. I would put in $1 billion. This must generate a profit. My foundation would benefit from this. There you go. It's all about Soros. It's all about what's good for him and his pocketbook. He's not rich enough, see? He's not rich enough. Cue up cut two. Now, the fact checkers that are largely paid for and funded by George Soros will tell you that what I'm about to say or play for you isn't real, except you're going to hear it with your own ears. George Soros is a monster. A monster. George Soros is not much different than Adolf Hitler or Stalin. He has the same appetite, the same lack of morality. This is somebody who does not care about anyone, a true sociopath. A true sociopath, someone that doesn't have any morals whatsoever, a monster, a monster. Now, unlike other tyrants throughout world history, George Soros largely hides in the background. He has made the determination that he can fund these things through different channels so that it looks like he's hands off. But he's the one behind the scenes, make no doubt about it. That is responsible for carnage, corruption, and the destruction of entire economies over the last several decades. You're gonna hear George Soros here in an interview. Now, I cut it down into a couple different clips. I want you to hear him discuss morality, I want you to hear him discuss how he has no regrets about the way he helped hunt down Jews being a Jew himself. His last name is Schwartz, by the way. It's not Soros. His name is George Schwartz. But he changed his name. And George Soros is a self-loathing Jew. A self-loathing Jew. A really despicable human being. Play cut two, Captain, go.
0: In the last two years, you've been blamed for financial collapse of Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan and Russia yeah, all of the, all of the above all of the above yeah, yeah. are you that powerful i think that uh, i've been blamed for everything i am basically there to uh, to make money i don't feel guilty because i'm engaged in an immoral activity which is not meant to have anything to do with guilt you're a hungarian jew who escaped the Holocaust mm-hmm. by posing as a, a Christian? Right. My understanding is is that you went out with this protector of yours, who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes, yes. Went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of yes. property from the Jews. That's right. Was it difficult? Uh, uh, not, uh, not at all. No feeling of guilt? No. Well, actually, funny way, it's just like in markets that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would would would, would be taking it away anyhow. And it was the whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator. The property was being taken away, so I had no role in taking away
1: that property. So I. Do you understand? the depravity of George Soros' mind, the way he justifies his own evil actions is to say that if he wasn't doing it, someone else would. So, in his line of thinking, the way his brain works, any horrible thing he does, any evil he engages in, is okay because somebody else would be doing it anyway. So, There's no guilt to feel because if it wasn't George Soros hunting down the Jews, well, someone else would pretend to be a Christian and hunt the Jews down. So they were going to be hunted down either way. So what difference does it make that George Soros, George Schwartz here, hunted down the Jews, betrayed the Jews? If it wasn't me, somebody else would have. This is the kind of attitude that permits someone to commit genocide and so on and so forth. So... When you hear people say that this is not true about George Soros, you just heard it from his own lips. George Soros, in order to protect his own skin in Hungary during World War II, pretended to be a Christian, had someone lie and say he was a Christian, and then helped them hunt down and confiscate the property of Jews. And this is the man leading us into war with Ukraine. This is the man dictating our foreign policy. Now, back to the leaks from several years ago. For anyone familiar, well, let me do this first. So Soros says, right, I'm prepared to invest up to $1 billion in Ukrainian businesses. This is likely to attract the interest of the investment community. Ukraine must become an attractive investment destination. The investments will be for profit, but I will pledge to contribute the profits to my foundations. This should allay suspicions that I'm advocating policies in search of personal gain. He comes out and admits in these private, private emails that he's a liar and a fraud. He's creating circumstances. He says he's prepared to invest up to a billion in Ukraine. He's trying to get other people to invest, to enrich himself. And he admits that well, the investments are going to be for profit, but I'm going to tell people I'm going to contribute the profits to my foundations. That way people will think that I'm not doing this for personal gain. This is an evil person. I mean, this is somebody who, who, who took advantage of the fall of the Soviet Union. In the 1990s, this is somebody who plundered those communist countries to enrich himself, to privatize things in those countries. He came in as this quote-unquote nation builder and took advantage of it. Here's an example they give. In Liberia, this is what Soros did. So in West Africa, George Soros backed a former Open Society employee of his, Liberian President Ellen johnson giving her international publicity and through his influence, even arranging a Nobel Peace Prize for her in 2011. Let me let me just repeat that. This is somebody who was able to arrange for someone who had accomplished nothing a Nobel Peace Prize. So George Soros, because he wants to get this person in a position of power to help himself, he goes all through these different hoops. He even gets this individual, Ellen Johnson, a Nobel Peace Prize which got her elected as president. Before her presidency, she'd been well indoctrinated into the Western free market game, studying economics at Harvard and working for the U.S.-controlled World Bank in Washington. Once in office, President Sirleaf, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf is her full name, opened the doors for Soros to take over major Liberian gold and base metal assets along with his partner, Nathaniel Rothschild. One of her first acts as president was to also invite the Pentagon's new Africa command, AFRICOM, into Liberia, whose purpose, as a Liberian investigation revealed, was to protect George Soros and Rothschild mining operations in West Africa, rather than champion stability and human rights. So let me just let me just explain what George Soros did in Liberia. So he has an employee named Ellen Johnson. He gets her a Nobel Prize and he installs her as the president. And once she is the president there in West Africa, in Liberia. Well, she gives him control with his partner, Rothschild. Access ownership to Liberian gold and base metals. So he has control over that in Liberia. And then What does George Soros do to protect his own interests? Well, he gets the president to invite AFRICOM, that's the Pentagon's Africa Command, our military. He gets them to come into Liberia and to protect the mining operations for him there. But yeah, we're in Ukraine We just got to support them against Russia. It's just the right thing to do. George Soros says to do so. Incredible. And the Open Society Foundation's George Soros there. He's not shy about what they're doing. This is from the website, okay? Nine facts about the International Renaissance Foundation. Now, this is the the first foundation he set up back in the 90s. 1990 okay now he's got these other ones that are like blms like i just mentioned before and i've got a story from john solomon i'll I'll, I'll get to about it in a moment but initially his open foundation society he set up in ukraine in 1990 was called and it's still there the international renaissance foundation or the irf now this is no different than what the communist chinese are doing by the way With their satellites they set up around the world too. The only difference is George Soros isn't a country. George Soros is one man, a billionaire. And it's pretty shocking. It's impressive, but it's evil. If you think about it, George Soros, the impact he's had around the world, he's managed to do this as a billionaire individual. That which China is also doing, but has the funding of an entire country an entire government at its disposal. George Soros effectively operates like his own government. George Soros effectively operates like the Soros nation. And he is doing what the communist Chinese are doing. And their interests aren't necessarily aligned. But the point is, you wouldn't say that China is our friend. You wouldn't say that anybody that's trying to do this to you know, serve their own personal interests, selfish desires to the detriment of America, is a good person or our ally. And George Soros is not our ally either. And this coincidentally is the same guy who installed the DA in New York that's trying to prevent Donald Trump from running for re-election. So nine facts about the International Renaissance Foundation. The foundation was established in Kiev in April 1990, shortly before Ukraine became independent from the Soviet Union in August 1991. Prior to the 2022 Russian invasion, IRF had satellite offices in Odessa, Kharkiv, Lviv. I don't know how to pronounce this crap. Anyway, they employed more than 60 people. The foundation supported civil society advocacy for Ukraine's 2014 association agreement with the European Union, and subsequently for the 2017 agreement providing visa-free travel for Ukrainians. I I think you get the point. George Soros has been invested in Ukraine since 1990. He has a lot invested there. And he's not going to let this go away. He's not going to lose this from his grip. And he needs NATO. He needs the U.S. He needs Europe to do what he says to ensure that his investment pays off. And he can't do it alone. And so he gives them the talking points. He says that, you know, this is a threat to democracy, that if Russia takes Ukraine, it's going to spread to Poland and everywhere else. Nonsense. Nonsense. You've got bad actors on both sides here, and we are given this black and white option in which Russia and Putin are the bad guys. That's right. Russia and Putin are bad guys, but so is Ukraine, and so is Soros, and so is NATO, and so is the EU, and so is our own government. That's the reality. We have evil against evil. And we're being told that our option is Ukraine is good and Russia's bad. No. You know what's bad? The U.S. government who's created this situation. All right. So two articles here. Here's the headline. These are both from from John Solomon. These, I think, were published at The Hill. But but he makes a good point here. He says, the headline is George Soros' secret 2016 access to state exposes big-money hypocrisy of Democrats. Liberal mega-donor George Soros made some big bets during the last U.S. presidential election. One was that Hillary Clinton would win the presidency. You see, he was grooming her. He was grooming her. All of this was supposed to have taken place in 2016. That's the reality. Donald Trump gave us a buffer. And now you got Joe Biden back, and that's why the world's going to hell. It's accelerating. And George Soros is a huge component and driver of everything you're witnessing right now. See, you see, what George Soros is doing in Ukraine, he's also doing the United States of America. What what once seemed impossible to George Soros back in the nineties is no longer impossible. You see, for him to get his tentacles into a little place, corrupt place like Macedonia, was one thing. Liberia, another thing. For him to get his tentacles in Ukraine after the Soviet Union fell, it was fertile ground for him to get his tentacles in there. But the U.S., a little bit more difficult. And what you've seen is since the mid-90s, when he became a Democrat, remember this, George Soros didn't really have any political affiliation. He didn't care. He became a Democrat in the mid-90s because he saw an opportunity to get in with the Clintons. That's what happened. And that's why he became a Democrat, because they are the party of corruption. And they always have been, even more so than the Republican Party. So he latched onto the Clintons and rode that wave. And he slowly put his people in the State Department. He put them in the quote-unquote what you would call the deep state today. And he's been influencing policy. He's been funding these DAs that push what? A pro-criminal stance. So get this. When Donald Trump's... Well, let, let me put it this way. This is talking about 2016... George Soros made some big bets. One, Hillary Clinton's going to win the presidency back in 2016. The other was that he, Soros, could reshape Ukraine's government to his liking. And that his business empire was going to find fertile ground in Ukraine. That's what was going on. And when Trump marched into the White House, Soros went to the State Department to protect his investments in Ukraine. And this is according to department memos that were released that give a glimpse into the Democratic donors' access to the Obama administration. Victoria Nuland, you've heard her name a thousand times, Assistant Secretary of State. Well, she received repeated calls, emails, and meeting requests from Soros. On May twenty fifth, 2016, Chris Canavan, of the Soros Fund management firm, provided Newland a written briefing under the heading Russia Sovereign Bond Issue. At the time, Russian President Vladimir Putin's regime posed a threat to Soros' vision for Ukraine. Here is my take on Russia's foray into the bond markets this week. Based on the market chatter I've been able to pick up, Caravan wrote in an email. Caravan worked on the for-profit side of the Soros empire. Six days later, the nonprofit side of the Soros Empire rang the same doorbell. Soros and his top foundation official in Ukraine scored a hastily arranged call with Newland to discuss European migration policy. Many thanks for sorting today 's call on such short notice. Much appreciated a Soros official wrote newland 's aide during the call. Mr. Soros promised Assistant Secretary of State Newland he would send her his draft article on migration policy. George Soros is dictating to our State Department what our policies are supposed to be. This is not how a republic operates. We do not have sovereignty when George Soros is calling our government, calling the president, calling Secretary of State, Assistant Secretary of State, the State Department, and telling them what to do, and then they do that. This guy doesn't work officially for the administration. Nobody knows that he's doing this. But behind the scenes, you just have this foreign player dictating the policy of the United States of America. I I, I don't know if it's lost on people how corrupt this is, how dangerous this is, how wrong this is, and it's happening in the United States of America. So a little over a week later, Soros' team reached out again to Newland, this time seeking to discuss EU visa liberalization for Ukraine and Georgia. And, and, and Soros has his tentacles in with the EU. That's, that's the point. You see, when we talk about the EU and NATO wanting to bring Ukraine in, it's not that NATO or EU or the U.S. wants it. It's that Soros wants it. Newland wrote back, alerting Soros' top policy advisor on Eurasia, Jeff Goldstein, to a key piece of intelligence. One EU country has changed its mind and she was happy to discuss this further. We're working on it. Not sure whether intervention by George Soros would help. The article goes on, Soros is emblematic of the very financial influence and access that liberals seek to eliminate. Amen. He's exactly right. That's exactly right. They talk about big money and Wall Street and so on and so forth. Well, George Soros is lining all their pockets this, this corrupt combination, unholy alliance, this public-private partnership between the U.S. government and corrupt individuals in the private sector like George Soros. But this guy, I mean, you know, what, what's happening with the, Ob- with the Biden administration is no different than what happened on the Obama administration. He met with Clinton in 2010. He met with him repeatedly. He's been one of the top donors to the Democratic Party for I don't know how long. I mean, 2016, he gave $10.6 million to her campaign. Soros set out a bold vision in an internal 2014 memo for his Open Society Foundation to help root out corruption in Ukraine and build a civil society after the Maiden Revolution ousted the country's Russia-friendly president. It worked with the U.S. Department of Justice officials to leverage. All right, so you've got that down, right? Now let's move to the next piece of the puzzle. John Solomon again. Here's the headline. U.S. Embassy pressed Ukraine to drop probe of George Soros group during 2016 election. Let me say this again. Ukraine is not a sovereign nation. Ukraine is run by the U.S. State Department and George Soros. While the 2016 presidential race was raging in America, Ukrainian prosecutors ran into some unexpectedly strong headwinds as they pursued an investigation into the activities of a nonprofit in their homeland known as the Anti-Corruption Action Center, ANTAC. This is the Soros organization. Now, ANTAC is the equivalent of a BLM or Antifa or any of these other groups in America. They exist to foment revolution in Ukraine. They're the brown shirts, if you will, just like we have in the US that are going around the trans mob, the Antifa people going into state capitals, harassing people. That's what this group does. The focus on AnTac, whose youthful street activist famously wore Ukraine F corruption t-shirts. These are the people They came out of ANTAC. They were involved in overthrowing the government. These are violent insurrectionists. And George Soros is funding them. George Soros, this is his group. And it's worse than that because Obama gave them money using American taxpayer dollars. 4.4 million in U.S. funds were given to this group. And... There was an investigation into the Anti-Corruption Action Center. And the Obama administration pressured the Ukrainian government to back off its investigation of both the U.S. and the Soros group. So you have a sovereign nation, Ukraine, who's looking into corruption with the Anti-Corruption Action Center, the Soros-funded group that Obama is also funding with U.S. taxpayer dollars. And you have the U.S. government coming in and telling them they better back off and stop investigating this. Imagine if China came into the U.S. Well, it's probably happening because we're so corrupt. But imagine if, you know, Mexico or somebody came into the U.S. and said, hey, stop investigating these Mexican groups. I need you to back down. That's what happened here. So at the time, the nation's prosecutor general had just been fired under pressure from the United States, right? That's famous Joe Biden right? He threatened them. He told them they were going to, he was going to talk to Obama and make sure that they weren't funded if they didn't fire this prosecutor that was looking into Biden corrupt. This is the thing. Ukraine is about protecting the corruption, hiding the corruption of our own politicians. Ukraine is the playground for America's corrupt politicians, the George Soros types. That Ukraine is, is, I mean, it's hell. It's hell. And it's where these Democrats, and probably some Republicans too, go to spend their time enriching themselves. And they don't want that exposed. That's what all this is about, protecting their interests. So look, Ukraine's looking into this, the activities of the Anti-Corruption Action Center. And Yuri Lutsenko uh, was named the prosecutor general. And he met with the new U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yovanovich. And Lutsenko, the Ukrainian prosecutor general, well, he was given a list by the ambassador of individuals that he should not prosecute. The list included a founder of the Antac Group and two members of parliament who vocally supported the group's anti-corruption reform agenda. It turns out the group that Ukrainian law enforcement was probing was co-funded by the Obama administration and liberal mega-donor George Soros. And it was collaborating with the FBI agents investigating then-Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort. People forget this too. George Soros weaponized the Ukrainian government to go after Paul Manafort as well. So they said, hey, you can't investigate the Soros folks. But Soros would come in and say, we're going to look and tie something to Paul Manafort here. They're doing this in Ukraine. So the message was clear. They said, don't target Antak in the middle of an American presidential election in which Soros was backing Hillary Clinton. So there's your election interference again. So we have an election going on. This is tied to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And they don't want it getting out. And so the U.S. government, the Obama administration, comes in and says, hey, you better not investigate this anymore because we want Hillary Clinton to win, and this isn't going to look good for her or me. So it didn't want us, you know, Lutsenko in Ukraine suggested the embassy applied pressure because it didn't want Americans to see who was being funded with its tax dollars. That's right. State officials told him privately they wanted Ukraine... Prosecutors to back off ANTAC because they feared the investigation was simply retribution for the group's high-profile efforts to force anti-corruption reforms inside Ukraine. So they gave a do-not-prosecute list. I mean, Obama, Clinton, Soros, Newland, all these people should be in prison. I got a couple of the stories I want to get to, but I want to point something out that was on my mind. I saw this story, the Dalai Lama, who's 87 years old. Well, he's been forced to apologize for kissing a young boy on the lips and asking the child to suck his tongue in this bizarre interaction. They're calling it captured on video at a charity event in India. Look, I admit this is bizarre. The, the Dalai Lama is kind of a goofy guy. I don't mean that with disrespect. I, I, I'll just put it this way. you know I I, 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 I I went to Starbucks a number of years ago in North Hollywood, and I had well, they had tea, I had coffee. and I sat down with the second in command right after the Dalai Lama. I had coffee. He had tea, okay? So I've been around them. So my point is, I have a little bit of insight here. There is a a cultural oddity between the U.S. and these Tibetans, okay? And, you know, I can just see this happening based on my interactions with people that are from that world that are around the Dalai Lama. And here's, here's what they say happened. The Dalai Lama's apologized after this unsettling video. In the video, the boy asks the Dalai Lama, can I hug you? And then the Dalai Lama says, okay, come. And the spiritual leader asks the boy to kiss him on the cheek and then points at his lips. He holds the boy's face as they briefly kiss. Then the pair press their foreheads together. And as the, the boy pulls away, the Dalai Lama sticks out his tongue or something and says, and suck my tongue. Now, I think it's a weird sense of humor. There's nothing for me to believe that the Dalai Lama is a creep. The reason I bring this story up, though, is the the left and the media is covering this and they're pointing out how bizarre this is and how unsettling it is about the Dalai Lama. But Joe Biden is accused by his own daughter, Ashley, of showering inappropriately with her. Joe Biden routinely makes passes at underage girls at press conferences. He routinely kisses other people's little children on the lips and smells their hair. Why does the media not ever make Joe Biden apologize for his comments when he says to some 13-year-old, hey, you got nice legs there. You're going to look good in a few years, things like that. You have a corroborated diary from Ashley Biden that talks about the origins of her sexual addiction. And she points out the fact that her own father, Joe Biden, used to shower inappropriately with her. Her words. Now imagine if the Dalai Lama, if somebody found a journal and they accused the Dalai Lama of showering inappropriately with them. I mean, liberals would be out there hunting down the Dalai Lama and serving his head on a silver platter to the Chinese. But Joe Biden, oh. It's just unbelievable, right? All right. I want to talk about the Tennessee Three, they're calling them. And this is such a joke. Such a joke. These two black individuals who got their butts thrown out of the Tennessee legislature because they're insurrectionists, because they violated decorum, because they're a bunch of nincompoops, a bunch of community organizers. These are stupid people, low class, morons. They think they're Black Panthers, and it's the 1960s. And they're creating a fake war for attention, for relevancy. And these are nothing but punks. And one of these guys, by the way, I looked at his platform when he ran for the state legislature. He's a defund the police guy, and he's an advocate for reparations. Shut up. Now, what Tennessee legislatures did by kicking these people out of the state legislature—that that is a pathway to success. This is what we have to do. This is how we fight. This is how we win. Who cares what the left says? Who cares what the left says? So just for background, if you don't know. Um, so these two Democrat lawmakers, they, they, they joined a mob of left-wing insurrectionists, is what they did, who took over the Tennessee Capitol last week. And so they got expelled From the state's general assembly. And that the two guys. Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. The Justins. They violated the decorum requirements. When they held up a protest sign. And shouted into a bullhorn. Do you realize that these two people. Did more. Than the so called. What was his name? The, 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 The guy who had the horns on. Captain. Who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk the shaman the j6 shaman yeah so so I mean you know they, they and they they put that guy in jail for a long time and they're upset about this and of course because these guys are black they're trying to say that well you'll hear here's Chuck Todd with this other racist Simone Sanders talking about what happened here go ahead and play Captain.
0: it Captain. it look it is loud echoes. From, from our recent past in the South and in the 60s. But- what is happening in Tennessee and frankly across the South is in fact Jim Crow. What Jim Crow was, was blocking black people from the ability to have participation in their government.
1: Jacob Chansley was the, the guy's name I was thinking of, yeah, thanks. So there, there you have them, trying to say this is Jim Crow. Now, mind you, this is the party that literally enacted 21st century Jim Crow with the COVID lockdowns when they told people who weren't vaccinated, many of them black, that they could not participate in society if they didn't get vaccinated. This is the party that is actively trying to put a Republican presidential candidate in prison, a political opponent in jail. This is a party who is trying to impeach the only black man on the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas right now. For having done nothing wrong. It's just shocking. The hypocrisy from these people. And I mean, you you know, you had, I don't have the clips, but AOC's out there. She's pushing this. she's, She's willing to be the sole individual that's going to write impeachment articles for this person. And I must say, I'm very disappointed in the Republican Party in the House right now. Where are impeachment articles for Joe Biden? Where are they? Fight fire with fire. What people don't realize is these people look at us as the enemy. And their only objective is to destroy us completely. If they can't put us in jail and so on and so forth. The only way to defeat the Democratic Party is to defeat them absolutely. There's no compromise. They hate you and they want you destroyed. We either destroy them or they destroy us. Those are the options. So, like I was saying, they're trying to impeach Justice Thomas. And even NBC is acknowledging that he didn't actually commit any crime or violate anything. So, I mean, the, 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 the fake invented controversy here is that Clarence Thomas has a billionaire friend. And Clarence Thomas, obviously not being a billionaire... Well, he's gone on vacations with, his, with this billionaire friend of his who's paid for him and allowed him to come on private jets and so on and so forth. And NBC News even acknowledges that there's a loophole. It's not even a loophole. I hate it that they call these things loopholes. It's like the gun loophole. It's not a loophole. Like a tax code. it's a loop. It's not a loophole. So Supreme Court justices don't have to disclose certain gifts like travel funded by their friends. So it's not a loophole. It's simply a rule that doesn't exist. So Clarence Thomas didn't violate any rules, but the left, they want to get Clarence Thomas's scalp. And the reason they want it is twofold. One, because they want to get rid of the Republican right-wing conservative originalist majority on the Supreme Court. And secondarily, I'll tell you this, I'll make the prediction now. Another reason The left keeps gunning for Clarence Thomas's scalp is because in the event, in the event that one of these indictments that goes to a jury results in a conviction of Donald Trump, that is undoubtedly going to head to the Supreme Court eventually to be overturned. And if that goes to the Supreme Court, if Clarence Thomas is there, (coughs) excuse me, if Clarence Thomas is there it's going to get overturned. Now, if they could get rid of Clarence Thomas and have it break even, well, the lower court ruling stands. That's how it works. So that's that's really what they're up to here. Just so you know. Hold on. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> know, is that clear, Captain? I don't know. Do I need to say anything else about Clarence Thomas and what they're doing there? I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. But these... You know, the, 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 these two <coughs> wannabe civil rights icons that are fighting a regressive war to undo the civil rights movement in reality. Um, it's just, I mean, I feel like North Korea has more democracy than we do in the state of Tennessee. And it's terrifying to me that we're in this march to fascism, said Johnson. I mean, it's just... The hyperbole from these people, I, you can't, I mean, take them seriously because they're lunatics and they will destroy the country and put you in jail and kill you. They will, but don't take them seriously at the same time because these people are, are whack jobs, total whack jobs, and they shouldn't be treated with respect or reverence. They, they don't, they haven't earned any and they aren't worth it. Anybody can get put on the state legislature today. Apparently anybody can win election, any doofus. This party wants reparations? All right, queue up. Let's end with this. Cue up, cut four, Captain. So Bud Light went woke. And it's no surprise because BlackRock, who's all in with this leftist agenda, they're investors in Budweiser. I mean, it's 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 no surprise. They're betraying their, their, their well, their base. Their base. So Alyssa Hunterscheid, the VP of Marketing woke VP of marketing at Budweiser. This is what she had to say about her decision to put Dylan Mulvaney, a biological male on the beer can for Bud Light. This is supposed to say, so Bud Light apparently is, is has been going down in sales. And so what better way to save Bud Light than to appeal to the trans community that sips on mojitos and has never had a Bud Light in their life. They're drinking piña coladas, or they're drinking straight vodka. I don't know, but they're not drinking Bud Light. I can tell you that right now. Play uh, play Cut 4, Captain. Here's the VP of marketing telling us how stupid she is.
0: I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand there will be no future for bud light so i had this super clear mandate it's like we Mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand and my what i brought to that was a belief in okay what is what what does evolve and elevate mean it means inclusivity it means shifting the tone it means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm -hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean, Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important (laughs) that we had another approach.
1: I I don't know how, I don't know what this person's background is. I don't know how she got this job. I don't know what company she's destroyed before she's come in and been given the order and the ability to destroy Bud Light. But I can speak from experience on how the locusts do this in the corporate world in my previous lifetime working for Mark Jacobs. But this happened to Mark Jacobs. You bring in somebody who doesn't understand the customer base. they don't understand the DNA. They just go from company to company, and they bring about these changes that are destructive, based on nothing concrete. So, I mean, I got to hand it to her. I guess it's, I, I, I guess it's interesting. She says that she wants to appeal to men and women. So, what better to do that than with a transgender? Right? You just hit them with both. You hit them with both. You know, we got a man and a woman here. Drink the beer. It doesn't quite work that way, though. Doesn't quite work that way. But you know, this is this is part of the agenda to to normalize this. And what they count on is our side not having the guts to follow through on this boycott. And they're right about that. We are pathetic when it comes to actually doing damage to these companies. And what we need to do is take a rule from Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky, to the left uses. We need to isolate these targets and bring about their destruction. You don't have to boycott everything at once. You start with one until they're brought to their knees and their head is chopped off. And what we need to do with Bud Light, and it shouldn't be that hard because there are other alternatives, although many of the alternatives are also woke, so we have to be careful about that. That's what's hard. Everything seems to be woke. But what we need to do is bring Bud Light to its knees. Look at the list of every beer company under their label and do not drink it. Don't touch it. Ruin them and destroy them. It's the only way to make them pay. And we can do it. You just have to be willing to do without Bud Light. So, anyway, so they put the mentally ill Dylan Mulvaney on there. And apparently... He is now the spokesperson for tampons. He's a spokesperson for Nike bras. It's such a farce. It's such a joke. And this is what you get. Propping up mentally ill people. Dylan Mulvaney is having the last laugh. He's becoming rich because he's playing all of these idiots out there. He's an attention whore. And he found a way to make money and find the fame that escaped him, eluded him in the past. By documenting this fake transition, so good looking. Honestly, Dylan Mulvaney looks a lot like this VP of marketing at Budweiser. They both kind of like look like they could be horses at the Kentucky Derby. So anyway, all right. Well, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister, minister of Truth. Whoo, whirlwind! God bless you all. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. And uh, I'll keep you posted on uh, how many hours of sleep I get. Baby's good. Life is good. Do me a favor. uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, go on and like the show, rate the show. Update, the the podcast is now in the top 5% of podcasts globally. That means of all the podcasts in the universe, the Drew Allen Show is in the top 5%. And we want to go bigger than that for sure. We're doing well. Thanks to you. Thanks to you. All right, so we got a couple shows coming up next. Now now we got Patriot Review, I believe, right, Captain? Patriot Review. I wrote it down. We do so many shows. But don't, don't don't tune out. We got two great shows coming up, and we'll be with you tomorrow. All right. God bless you all.
0: Talk to my friend, Drew Allen, And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of what your writing. Of the great... Young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinions. Mm-hmm. Drew professors. Allen die hard Conservative. I look to this
1: guy for listening.